This episode is brought to you by Modal Electronics, who enable you to play and perform powerful sound with their incredible synthesizers. You can enjoy vibrant wavetable patches with the Argon 8 series, or you can produce with state-of-the-art analog-style synth textures with the Cobalt 8 series. To check out Modal Electronics' incredible array of synthesizers, go to modalelectronics.com. Modal Electronics. Dare to sound different. I think like music's always music's escapism, isn't it? I guess. Do you get what I'm saying? So I never pinpointed it at the time. I guess I pinpointed it when I was older, but it's just like when you're growing up in a certain area, it's just like it just, it just takes you away, it takes you somewhere somewhere else, isn't it? So when I was listening to rappers, I just kind of loved it, isn't it? Like my um my older brother would play rap when I was younger as well, and he used to play like dipset and 50 cent and all that stuff. So I was just like immersed in it from young, basically. And when did you first think that you might want to start making your own music? How old were you? Um, I've done it in secondary school, innit? So um, basically um, what happened? Everyone was just rapping like, you know, you'd pull out your phones and someone would have a beat and they'll be like, yo, jump in, jump in. And so, I saw people doing that and I was just like, all right, cool, let me go home and write my own, innit? And I, it was bad, but it was fun, basically. And so when everybody was doing it, was did you kind of stand out as being like better than the others? No, I didn't, you know. If in actual opposite, I was pretty bad, bro. I'm not gonna lie to you. But, <laughs> um what happened is one of my friends said, nah, but you got the most potential because you're like smart, innit? And I was just like, all right, cool. So I just kept on trying it. And then I basically made it a thing. I just kept on working at it because I did like the idea of doing it. And what actually happened was um, I looked into UK rappers because I didn't know people from England could be rappers at that age. So, so I went online and then I found Chipmunk and Ice Kid. And I was like, oh my gosh, that like, yo, like people are actually doing this. So, and then... That's what drew me to it. I was like, if they could do it, like, oh, like maybe I can do it. When when was that that you were kind of thinking, you know, how big is UK rap? And then like um, looking it up. Eleven years old, twelve years old. Right. Wow. And and so so how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm twenty-four now. Twenty-four now. Right. So so that was like kind of 2008, 2009 type of thing. Like UK rap back then was obviously nothing like it is now but there was still some some great stuff so did you start listening to to us rap like in terms of what got you into music yeah yeah so i started like when i was in year seven the first mixtape i actually like listened to off my own back was little way no ceilings and then drake so far gone like i listened to them back to back and i was just like yo I like Little Way No Ceilings, but I love Drake. So I like, like that was the one that caught me. Um, and then after that, that's when I actually started listening to UK rap after that. And yeah, I mean, now like UK rap is, I mean, not only, yeah, I mean, in my opinion anyway, uh, like the most exciting rap, but, uh, you know, probably more than the US right now, but also like the most exciting genre full stop i mean no other genre is really doing that much in in, in the uk i mean rock, rock music is dead 
and pop music is more of the same whereas uk rap is really having like an incredible uh moment but going back to uh to your story um when when did you first start taking it seriously so you were so you felt like you didn't stand out when people were were just kind of rapping like around around a phone what made you decide to to take it kind of seriously and uh, and, and improve so no i got better i don't know like, <laughs> i'm kind of i'm all right still i'm better than you lot now um, <laughs> and then, yeah. and then um yeah i took it actually seriously though i would say at 18 do you get um because at that age i was like look i'm actually getting kind of old old here in terms of rapper ages anyway and i was like i've got to take it seriously and actually put my mind to it because where i started so young young i feel like i was just doing it on autopilot if you know what i mean so um, I just stepped back when I was 18. Like when literally as soon as I hit 18, I was like, look, I've got to think and like put a serious approach to this. And then, yeah, that's when I took it seriously. And I think that's when it started rewarding me, basically. What, what was the first music that you that you ever put out? Like the, the first single? Um, first single? Um, I don't know. Um, what would I say the first single was? I've done a lot of freestyles by that time. Like I've done loads of freestyles. There was some song called Soundboy, and that was like the first one to really like gain some traction. Um, it was on JDC Media. I got like a hundred thousand views over some time, and I was like, "Yo, alright, I'm in the business." And then um, um, after that, I've done like my SBTV warm up session, and then I've done my Hollywood Take One. That done like 100,000 views, but I done it on my own channel. So I was like, okay, all right, cool. And then I would say my breakthrough moment was unsigned. That like, that was definitely like my, yo, like uh, he's in the career, like he's in the business now, he's in the industry. And so that that was like four years ago, right? Um, yeah, point. yeah, four years ago now. Um, and at that stage, was that, was that when you were at uni? Because I guess, I mean, Alongside the first hearing your music, I also saw uh, you were in a, a feature. I think it was on the BBC. Maybe it was in a newspaper. But it was sort of uh, discussing how you were, you know, in the music business, but also studying at uni at the same time. What what was that like? And were you kind of? I mean, firstly, it must have been incredibly busy. But also, did you kind of think at any stage like, oh, I'm going to ditch uni because? Um, so. For me, it worked out quite like fortunately because by the time I released Unsigned, I was basically at the end of uni. I still had my exams to do because um, I missed my exams because I was ill. But um, yeah, like it worked out. So I was doing uni. I was doing music on the side of uni during it, like first year, second year. But um, it wasn't enough traction that I couldn't balance the work, basically. And then after Unsigned, everything exploded, but I could still just about like revise to do my exams, basically. Just about like, so like it was hard. That was the hardest period, the transition period. But for the most part, I didn't think it was that hard. It was like a couple of weekends, I might go back to Creighton, film a video, then go back to uni. But you know where there's nothing to do like in Croydon that much maybe other than see girls like 
it didn't feel like work at the time, basically. And so w when you're making these records, like mm. they are, they seem like they would have to be quite meticulously put together, but then, you know, sometimes rap, uh, from talking to people who rap anyway, you know, they, they say sometimes, I mean, obviously freestyling is a thing. So do you work at your lyrics with like a, you know, pad and paper and spend ages on them or do they come, uh, quite naturally to you or does the process vary every time it, it varies so actually there is a process if i'm doing a freestyle i might write it but if i'm doing a song and it's like a three minute song that i want to do that bigger i'll try and say everything about how i feel at that very moment because sometimes you can overthink but in a freestyle you can just say whatever you want but in the song, there's a topic, like there's already like the constraints, you know, like when you're bowling and then you put the barriers up, it's like there's constraints. So you just, I can freestyle everything off of my heart because I already know where I'm confined to. Yeah, that well, that makes sense. Uh, in terms of uh, when things started getting really big, like you mentioned unsigned, uh, was was like best life another another kind of step so yeah i'll say with unsigned we in the first week of it coming out it had like um like a hundred thousand two hundred thousand views and we were like yeah we're sure this is the one that we know this is gonna do what it needs to do but we were kind of like impatient we we're like when's something gonna happen when's something gonna give and then three weeks down the line i just got that bare shows Nike was like Nike was hollering me. All these like brands were hollering me. Adidas, Puma, we're going up. We're getting. I'm getting like so many clothes. I'm getting so many shows. Birmingham, Luton, Leeds, like all the up and down basically. And then we made best life from the high of that. It's like whoa, that everything's picked up basically. And then so best life felt like a continuation rather than a new level because everything was going mad by then. Oh, right, okay. So Unsigned was literally like, you know, one minute things are kind of, you know, they're going pretty well. And the next minute you're booking all these shows and having all these major brands knocking on the door. But I mean, they're such, they're such great uh, records. And, and I mean, another one that I loved, it might have been the first record of yours that I heard, uh, was Goot and Targ, uh, which was, yeah, just, uh, brilliant. When when you're making these songs in the studio, how long does it does it um, take? Do, do you is it is it kind of long hours and and stuff, or do you come in and I mean we kind of went into that a little bit in terms of how you put together the raps, but do you see the backing tracks being put together? So that has with Guten Tag, um, with Guten Tag specifically, it was like something alternative at that time, but. I knew I was I was listening to a lot of Gunner and Little Baby at that time and drill. So I was like, I want a drill song that feels like Gunner and Little Baby. And I've gone to the producer, there's some new producer that I've never met. His name's JT. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, who is this? I hope they know what I'm about because I'm asking for something that's never been done for done before at that current moment in time. So I was just like, just lay the melody, trust me. And then he laid the, per like, the perfect melody and then I just freestyled it 20 minutes. And then we were like, cool, wow. we've got it. 
But when we like before we release it, we'll go back and touch it quite a few times just to make sure we're like we gotta make this undeniable. Like even if no one knew me, this would be a song that made everyone knew me, that everyone know me. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that record. I think I first heard it on like Spotify, choosing like literally the best records of two thousand and nineteen or two thousand and eighteen. It was literally on a compilation of the best records of the year. So when you come up with a, a kind of chorus like that, did had you heard the backing track already or did you have the kind of idea for like Guten Tag or, uh, before yeah, you'd heard the instrumental? Yeah, I had the idea for it. So that, yeah. in my phone, I always have an idea. I'm like, for me, the phrases are kind of what make, like what make it special because the music's always going to be nice i think i work with producers of a certain caliber so it's my mm. job to then say something that it's like the song's not about anything that we've never heard before but there's no one in the uk that's made a song called good and talk so i was just like it's the same thing but it's just packaged a little bit differently and that's kind of what i try to do in my music i'm like yo how can i say this in a way that someone's never said this before yeah yeah and I mean, I guess that at this point that applies to all popular music. Like every chord's been tried, every mm. every kind of bit of production's been tried, and loads of like lyrical ideas have been tried. But that that was like it was very you know it was fun and witty and and it was like just something a bit different. So in terms of like these ideas that you carry around on your phone, how often yeah. are you are you uh, working on um, stuff like that? Kind of catchphrases and lyrical ideas every day. Like every, I think every day, because something that like when you're on the go, I think that's when the most happens. Like things don't happen if you sit down and write in your bedroom, because like, everything around you is dead. So I learned to just write when I'm outside. I'm, I might be with my friends, we might say something funny, and I'm like, yo, I need to <laughs> reference that, or I need to do, I need to do something like that. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. What about um, Million Rings? When that that's your that's the, um, your first record this year, doing, yeah. doing really really well, uh, and it and it's a great record. But um, you, when did you make that? Was that tail end of last year? Yeah, last year. So I was like with Million Rings. I wanted to. Um, I heard the um, chorus, so Lost Girl had already had the chorus and it was on a different beat. And I was like, um, I was like to my producer, called me the kid, I was like, yo, this, this, is a, this is a song, you know? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I know, but I'm not sure. Like, he wasn't sure on it. I was like, let me hit it. And he's like, are you sure you want to hit it? I was like, yo, I'm sure I want to hit it. And then um, we we came back to each other and I was like, yo, like, I want to just do the, I had the Henny sip or let it simmer and I was like, I feel like the chorus should be something a bit, not witty this time, it should be a bit more poetic because it's like, I've done a lot of witty things and for, for how this song made me feel, it's almost like, I still want to have the poetry element of rap. Do you get what I mean? It doesn't need to always be memes and catchphrases. It's like, yeah. I've done it for like a million rings and I was just like, because I used to read poetry when I was younger. Like, my dad made me read a lot of poetry. And I was like, yeah, like, I want to bring that aspect into it. Like, I've done it all for a million rings. And it's like, it's still the same thing. Do you get what I mean? We, it's the same topic that we've heard. Like, it's the rags to riches. But it's just a little bit different. Or I haven't heard that before. And that's what I feel like 
is my task as a writer. How do you put your story in a different way? Because I think we've all led quite, we've all gone through similar experiences in some ways. So it's just, how do you then put your spin on it? Yeah, that's that's the right way of looking at it. And yeah, I guess good to do something different from, I mean, as enjoyable as the kind of more witty, like jokey stuff uh, yeah. can be. Like Guten Tag was definitely very witty and like different in that respect. One thing that I've uh, noticed, and obviously all your fans will have, is that, you know, you're releasing these singles that are, you know, pretty consistently bangers and kind of fitting the, you know, because you 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 want that to be the case if you're putting out a single. Uh, and it must be quite a high pressure game doing that. So I was wondering, do you have plans to release a full album at, um, at any stage? Or do you reckon you're going to keep going with singles? Because I know the modern... You know the, the Spotify market. It's like better for singles, and I mean, all of us listen uh, to singles more than albums these days. I think definitely you need you need you need an album. For me, I felt like what what took me so long with an album. I was like, I want my album to be of a certain caliber because I'm a I'm a fan as well. So as much as like you can run through your contracts very quickly. Your music lasts forever, gee. So when people go back, then they're not gonna know that you wrote it to clear your deal, or they're not gonna know that you wrote it in three months. They're just gonna hear the song, and that's the product. So with me, I was I wanted to learn a lot of things when I got into this position. I, I was like, yo, I'm very naive to everything because I was just going to studio and like shouting on the mic, literally. So now I I was I got myself into a position where I can be an artist full time. Let me respect the let me respect the industry that I'm in and make something that lasts the, the test of time, basically, because that's what we do with the singles. So I was like, yeah. with the album, I want it to be like them them people in the '60s. You know, they would make an album and maybe wait for another three years. Not saying that I'm gonna wait for another three years, but their albums would last that long and people would live with them and not churn it out because even though I live in the like McDonald's generation of music where everything's so fast paced, that's not what I want to be personally as an artist. That's yeah, that's the right way to look at it. And also there are albums and artists in this genre where the albums are, you know, lit you know, masterpieces, in my opinion anyway, like yeah. uh Psychodrama, the Dave album. I thought that I think that's yeah. Honestly, I think that might be the best album I've heard in the last like 10 years, or I can't think of anything fresh that's yeah. been done like that. So, and I'm sure you could make an album like that where it's less, uh, you know, less throwaway than a lot of the pop music um, that's, yeah. that's made these days, as, as great as um, some of it is. Uh, and obviously another big part of being um, an artist is playing live. Like how, how have you adjusted obviously to not being able to play live during the pandemic? And are you hoping to get back out uh, post opening up in June? Um, so for me, I feel that I'm, I'm one of the few people that was kind of grateful for lockdown because it let me slow down and let me just recalibrate myself. Because like I said, once I got, once unsigned happened, it felt like my life was just, a hundred miles an hour for the last three years. So for me, it kind of gave me time to take back, to take, take a step back and think, 
what that what what is what's going on that like, what do i want from the next five years what do i want from the next 10 years because usually we were on the road or we were just out the country we were just doing something so um yeah i'm grateful grateful for it in that sense and now i feel that it let me work on my skills so that when i do go back out there i can be like a mj sort of lad mj sort of talent you get what i mean not not my, I'm not Michael Jackson. I ain't gonna be dancing and dropping the mic, but like, yo, I want to give them sort of shows. Like when people come out, I want them to feel it in their like heart. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a, uh, it's a grateful way of looking at lockdown, uh, mm. which is difficult to to have because it's uh, it must have been, it's you know, your, your, it's and your career was moving so quickly, playing playing shows and. Uh, so do, will you go back out? Uh, yeah. Are you playing festivals this summer if it if it all goes ahead? Yeah, no, we've got a couple of festivals there. I think they've been announced at Wildest, um, Afro Nation, um, a couple, we got some a couple of broad shows there. So yeah, like I'm looking forward to going back out, but like I definitely made the most of my time whilst being locked down. So uh, yeah, man, I I can't complain. I'm someone I'll, I'll make the best out of the situation, whatever happens, man. For sure. And and so the the aspects of being an artist now, obviously, you know, we've talked about being in the studio uh, and just briefly touched upon live, but I the video side of uh, of being an artist, like particularly yeah. in, you know, rap um, and pop, uh is huge yeah like how long are the uh is is a video shoot is it literally all day and and do you consider when you're when you're recording a song are you kind of already thinking about the video uh because i guess it's a crucial part of making um a song stream well yeah so i think video shoots can take a day two days but like weeks going to planning them and organizing them um, lockdown for me, lockdown definitely affected that because I was doing that like, videos out of the country. Like I like, I like it to feel different, isn't it? Um, for me, I think definitely video is a big part because it conveys the products. Because sometimes it can get lost in translation. What I see in my head when I hear a song might not be what you see in your head, and then it's like, as an artist, it's like, yo, this is actually what I saw. This is how I wanted you to feel and it can capture the excitement that might not have been realized in certain songs when like just an MP3. So um, yeah, now videos are definitely a big part of everything. Um, and when, when you're making a video like Best Life, for example, mm. uh, where obviously, you know, it looks like you're having a, a very enjoyable time. Are you, yeah. Is the reality of it actually that you're like having to work like unbelievably hard and it's actually a, a real a, a real drag by the point we're seeing you like putting it on or are you actually having an, an awesome it's time? a bit of both you know it's <laughs> actually a bit of both sometimes it's like so for best life we we were having fun but we were we were stressed because that was actually reshot that was a second video shoot for it because the first one actually messed up and this was all last minute like um we struggled to um we were meant to do it at a hel helicopter pad, like a different helicopter pad, but that had messed up. Like, so everything was just in disarray. But <laughs> I just said, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna have fun in it because we're still here. 
we're still here, we're still in a mad location, we're still cheap. So like I said, we made the best out of it. So at the time it felt like a big headache, but we definitely had fun in a way anyway. Yeah, that, that's funny about, uh, you know, it being in disarray. Because I imagine uh, that that's probably the case for loads of videos where it seems like it's like the easiest, like most laid back thing from when you're watching it. But the work that goes into making it look that good must be... Our producer broke his arm. He had a quad, he had a quad accident as well. Like, he fell oh off God. the edge of the mountain. We thought he died. We were like, yo, where's... Like, what happened? His quad was... Um, he was driving... And then the quad just started skidding and we were like, what? And then it fell down the hill and we were like, yo, where's, where's Thingy? And then like, we, we were all scared that he died. And then fortunately we got him in hospital. My God. He had, a, he had an operation, a big scar. So yeah, no, trust me. That's like, awful. In front of the camera is not the tip of the iceberg. It's just the tip of the iceberg, should I say. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and and so we've talked about your own music but th this is the greatest music of all time podcast and i wanted to finish off by asking you uh who in your mind are the the greatest uh you know you're not allowed to say yourself uh yeah, yeah, you can yeah. reserve a spot uh but uh you know who in your mind would be the greatest of all time um and and also as alongside that who who are the people um on the uk scene who, who you're kind of excited about um, so overall, I would say that um, I think MJ obviously goes without saying. Biggie, Biggie's one of my favorites for rap. Uh, Drake, uh, uh, who else? Ed Sheeran, that's a writer. It's not a joke, you know. That like, I've been, I love like I, I love when he gets like in topic about something. Like, I think when he writes something. He, captures the whole image in a beautiful way in it and then uh in the uk i'll say Huss. um i really like diggers energy recently um dave you know like yeah those, those are my three at the moment i'll say this episode is brought to you by tingly tingly is on a mission to change the culture of gifting by encouraging everyone to give experiences rather than material things Tingley's passionate team has handpicked the world's best experiences, including travel, adventure, romance, food, wine and more, and brought them all together in one place. Tingley gives the recipient of the experience freedom of choice. Here's how it works. You purchase a gift box, Tingley sends an e-voucher or delivers a plastic-free gift box, and the recipient chooses from hundreds of experiences in over a hundred different countries. There's no expiry date on any of Tingley's gift experiences. Tingley encourages us to give stories, not stuff, to treasure memories above possessions. To find out more, go to tingley.com. If you're enjoying the greatest music of all time podcast, you can keep up to date with all of our latest episodes for free by subscribing. If you're watching on YouTube, the subscribe button is located at the top of the Tom Cridland YouTube page. It's also at the bottom right of any video that you watch on YouTube. If you're listening on an audio platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe at the top of the page.